Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So after that's happening, you can see the camera goes to the touchline and Dean Smith is pissed off, obviously. And uh, four officials trying to calm him down. And you just see Dean Smith say, he's a fucking prick. <laughs> Brilliant. And he's right. Yeah, good to see Dean Smith got a bit of fire in his belly. Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Yep, just like I thought. Four out of five lost. Villa are in free fall. Um, you laughed at me, Liam, when I said after the Southampton game that this was going to be the theme now. We were just going to go and start getting hammered in every match. Lost four out of five. Uh, the last two to Brighton and West Ham. It turns out that the anomaly in those five games that Arsenal are the shit team. Um, we thought that was a good result and we had just arrested the, the slide. But no, Arsenal are just exceptionally bad. Villa beat them, beat them well, and then went back into normal service by losing to Brighton and West Ham. And the fall is continuing. They are now in 10th. It's no longer a good start. It's um, it's a it's a decent start if you take it nine games, but if you take it the last five games, it's relegation form. It's Fulham form. Fucking Fulham are winning games today as well. Um, it's not good. And I just want to know, where did this myth come from that Villa have more balance now? I think I think this is coming from journalists who are close to the club and they're just spreading whatever shit they're being spoon-fed by the club. Like, Villa have never had more balance. Villa, after the restart at the end of last season, <laughs> shut up shop and they were really good when they had 11 players defending and they didn't look in any way threatening going forward. They just, they were tight and then they had good players that won the matches sometimes. Um, and then the start of this season, they were winning games, but they weren't, they weren't, good defensively and they never have been like every time a team goes forward against Villa they look unbelievably susceptible to conceding um, and yet again we see it tonight West Ham offer not much probably two attacks that I can remember maybe three we just threw in one there assume there was another one and two goals and that's it and it's game over Villa could score one out of 
four sitters to get a, an unlucky break. They're not, not even an inch offside. They are offside. It's, a, it's annoying, but accept it. They're offside. Um, and they lose the game because of two, I don't know if it's defensive lapses, but two attacks, and they've conceded yet again. Welcome welcome to another night of support in Aston Villa, Liam. Yeah, that's it. I mean, just, just to clear something up there from the start, I, I told you Arsenal were shit. <laughs> I said we'd finish between 10th and 14th. <laughs> I think it was 2nd and 14th after the Arsenal match. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, you're right. What What is the point of playing well if you concede from every attack? Like, Why work so hard to get back into a game to dominate a big, awkward, cumbersome team if it's just going to be a goal every time somebody attacks? I mean, the second goal was a shit little dink ball into the box. Sort yourselves out. The game's only just begun. There's 30 seconds gone at the start of the second half. Get rid of that ball. It's a crap pass from Ben Rama. He doesn't even look up. He just plays a general ball into the box and we concede straight away after working yeah. so hard against that useless lump of a team that David Moyes has assembled. He, he, he dinks a ball into the box to two players, two of his own players who are facing away from the goals and there's two centre-backs behind him. And fuck, he's done well to flick it behind him. But like, it's just annoying that, yeah, there's nobody, as you say, they're not woken up. Villa... After the first ten minutes, first ten minutes were grim. They were they were fairly bad. Um, obviously they conceded in that, and then yeah, they completely dominated the match. And you felt like they were saying at halftime as well that Villa will probably go out now and fancy themselves to go on and win this. Said that against Brighton as well, and of course uh, they switch off, and of course they concede again. Do you want to talk about the the first goal? Who like <laughs> I have written down here, my target can fuck off. <laughs> um, I know, like you know, they're talking about. Douglas Ruiz or John McGinn picking up Agbona, but it it is zonal marking. Agbona has come into my target zone, and and target hasn't even bothered trying. Like he's he's just shit himself. He's, he's jumped. He's he's not even tried to get up. Like he jumps an inch off the ground and ducked his head as he got up. It was pathetic yet again. Well, yeah, I mean, Villa couldn't deal with a throw in. Then they couldn't deal with a corner. Then three players all follow two players who make the run from that split in the middle. And then you've got Ming standing in the middle of the box like a spare dick. And then you've got Target isolated at the back post. I mean, if you're going to have a bank of zonal marking, make it your best headers at a ball. Let them be the ones that are attacking it. Don't have Target just standing free at the back post with no running option. You, you, feel, you feel a bit sorry for Matt Target there because Ogbonna's a big lad and Target's the worst athlete who's getting paid. And he was, he was never going to win that ball. Nor was he ever going to try it. Like, yeah, he, he probably wasn't ever going to win it, but it's just the optics of him. Like, I was sort of thinking, what, what's the point of him being there? But, you know, if somebody coming into his zone is just not his responsibility anymore because that person shouldn't be in his zone unmarked. Like, he's in your zone now, react. But that's, like, yeah, you're right. So, you're right, react. But what's he going to do against Ogbonna? Target shouldn't be covering a zone because he can't cover a zone. Yeah. Um, you said let's talk about Trez. Sorry, go on. You said the first 10 minutes they were bad. The first 20 minutes, Conan, they were, they were fucking shambles. They were all over the place. They didn't know what they were doing. You'd Grealish dropping into the sweeper position. You'd Hurahan spreading 40-yard passes to people who were in worse positions than him. You'd McGinn playing blind passes. You'd Mings just doing this unbelievably irritating habit of his of standing over the ball and then just drilling one into somebody's feet. 
that inevitably <laughs> has to come back to him because the ball's hit too hard and just into somebody who's running, sprinting out from the centre-forward position. Yeah. Useless in the first 20 minutes. Well, it, it either comes back to him, it's not controlled because he's just drilled into somebody's feet, or it goes to Jack Grealish. Like, that's that's yeah. the... Those are the options, and Grealish can usually do something with it, or it's it's a pass into Grealish with three men around him who are just waiting to kick the legs off him. Um, I want to talk about Trezeguet. We'll get into his miss later um, in the Ronnie Rossenthal Award, obviously, but... <sighs> I don't want to see somebody crying on a football pitch because he missed a shot. Like, that, that's just not... I, I don't need to see Ollie Watkins trying to get him to get his head up, especially considering what Ollie Watkins is about to do in the next 10 minutes. Um, like, it's like it, this happened as well against Brighton, and we felt sorry for him because he was playing so well against Brighton. Um, he kept missing, and he kept, like feeling sorry for himself or you know it's almost like he's, he's aware of a social media reaction get off social media if you're that if you're that sensitive and it's just like oh please and he wants people to know how much it would have meant and mate you're getting paid loads like i don't need to see you for the next two minutes crying about it and i definitely don't need to see a player a teammate coming over in the middle of the match saying come on get on with it like get the fuck over it like yeah pe- people people react differently to to moments of I was going to say ill fortune there, but Jesus Christ, it's of his own making. I mean, you've monumentally cocked up, so spend the next 20 minutes of the match desperately trying to make up for it because you've just fucked over your teammates by not being able to play football on a fucking football pitch. <laughs> yeah, and this is it. Like, I don't... I don't blame him for how he's feeling, right? Because I'd be, I'd be similar. I'm not playing Premier League, but if I, if I missed something or made a balls up or something it would be sitting with me for definitely the next while you know where good players can just shake it off and go after the the next ball but i would never want to show it especially like that like you know there's a culture difference and personality difference but just like the way that it's funny like when he's split open and obviously probably concussed he's looking to just play on <laughs> just get on with it it's like yes it's like don't do that when you're concussed or split open do that when you've just missed a sitter get on with it like yeah Get after the next ball. Try harder because you're coming off anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Trezeguet, I was just thinking about the the five-a-side theory. Um, something I haven't really developed too much, but you're only as good as your worst player in five-a-side. It's not the team with the best players who win. It's the team with the worst player who loses all the time. And Villa have Trezeguet and Matt Target. <laughs> and maybe can we put Connor Horan into that from open play? Um, yeah, did they have weak links who are so far away from the rest of the team that it's going to get shown up? They would keep coming back to this, but time and time again, it's getting shown up. The good players, like they'll have Grealish, who's good enough to play on any team in the world and star in any team in the world, and then they have Matt Target playing on the same flank. Never mind what's happening over another flank. It's um. Yeah, the, 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 the five-a-side theory is going to cripple Villa so many times. Yeah, it is. Like, and it, it it always comes out in big moments. And in games like that, at that high a level, it, it nearly always comes down to moments. But if you miss a sitter or if you know you, you end up ice, having your your weakest player isolated against a huge centre half, then you're, you're going to lose a lot of games. But I thought Villa's biggest problem tonight was, was the way they were playing. I, I didn't, I didn't really think it was okay. Like, you know, Trezeguet scores and targets not at the back post, then they don't lose the game. But 
you know, there was just desperation the way they were playing for much of the game, even at the start of the second half. Whenever, whenever they scored that goal, West Ham Villa lost their head. They're playing balls to Watkins and Grealish from far too deep. There was no connection with the midfield. Dougie came into it in the last 20 minutes, but him and McGinn were absolutely anonymous in that game. Hurahan somehow always found himself either too deep or too high. Yeah. Like, I was just, everybody was just on the pitch, like, let's get the ball to Jack or Ollie as quick as we can, regardless of what has developed on the pitch in the meantime. I, 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 I thought there was huge problems with the system and just with the confidence of the players and how they reacted. So you can see the two early goals in both halves. And it took them 20 minutes to get back into the game after those. People were saying Villa dominated the game. I think that's that's forgetting what actually happened. They were an absolute shambles for the first 20 minutes of the first half and for the first 15 minutes of the second half. And then whenever they missed the penalty and whenever they missed, whenever Trezeguet missed that, those two things happened far too close together. And it just, it killed the team, killed the players. It sucked the life out of them. And for the last 10 minutes as well, Villa were, they were doing nothing. It was just erratic nonsense play no patterns of play they just forgot everything they were doing Jack Grealish was coming to 60 yards out again now it almost worked because Jack Grealish is one of the best players in the world but it's that's not how you win football games no it, it's not um, and again yeah you're right like, if you're not going to play for 35 minutes of a game then that, that's a lot uh, to be asking them uh, to, to, to go on and win matches like it's, it's really annoying because I had a whole thing I wanted to do a a podcast dedicated to Jack Grealish because I thought like after he scored that equalizer, um, the way he set up Watkins, we'll talk about that in the Ronnie Rossenthal award, obviously. Um, you know, I thought like, yeah, he's just going to he's going to win this game for Villa. You're you're right about the the penalty as well. I haven't seen a worse reaction to a team missing a penalty than that than that because that, the time flew by so quickly after that. It was it was so grim that just how flat everybody became, but. But Grealish for the goal, like this is the thing, right? People maybe don't realize exactly what Grealish brings to Villa every every week, and I know, like I've been guilty of almost holding a too high a standard, like you know, for not just scoring three goals every match. But <laughs> like, like, like the goal isn't isn't even that special for him. But just if you compare it to what a normal player does in those situations, so his touch is great. Like he takes a touch, it's great. It's in a tight area, but it just stops the ball dead. People back off and they go out wide because that's what the play is. Like that's what it normally is, is to go out wide or to sit it up for another player. Or at least they just stop and have a look to see what's happening. But no, like Grealish just goes. He goes around the corner, he goes straight at goals, he goes in between the bodies, he gets closer and closer to the defenders, keeps going. He takes Suchet's his space. It's amazing the way he does that, cuts across him, he shoots, he scores, like <laughs> like this is this is, is coming from a position where he picks up the ball where most of the time like if you notice and we shouldn't be comparing him but every time the ball came to Conor Hurrahan bang first touch just straight back to whoever was closest to him maybe he's neat he's tidy but he's not a player of the calibre of Jack Grealish Grealish touches the ball and without even thinking he goes and he doesn't care what's around him like then we could, we could go on about it like you know we could talk about like he set target off on an overlap but rather than just playing the ball on the outside of the defender, he nutmegs the defender so target is closer into the box and he's got a better position, obviously. And then target just trickles it, he falls into the, the ball and trickles it across into two West Ham defenders. Um, 
there was one where he had a defender up his arse, Grealish, and he, he just dragged it around him like with a flick into Hurahan. Nothing came of it again. And this is this is the point to keep coming back to. Like that that clip that's going around of him now, the one where he set up Watkins for a free header five yards out. He had four players like behind him, like between him and the box. Four. And he's able to do I don't know what he did, I don't know how he conceived of it, but he takes them all out. He gets space, left foot, lifts it into a striker who needs to be fucking scoring. And just one final point. Like there's also <laughs> there's also a thing that's happening now it's like the normalization of fouling jack Grealish. you know referees are not given yellow card for yellow card offenses because Grealish is being fouled so much and because there's this narrative that he goes down easy as well and he does go down easy in some some instances but there's a narrative that he is going down and they're probably thinking about that as well The like watch out for the next the next game the first foul the other team are complaining and they're suggesting that it's not a foul at all so what happens then was like ah, oh, I don't know who it was, like Bonner maybe, but um, just like just comes straight in about two seconds late, kicks him. It's obviously a yellow card, and it's not even in the referee's thought process. Where do you want to start there? Do you want to talk about <laughs> how far above, <laughs> how far above Greenish is to everybody else, or yeah, the normalization of fouling? Yeah, like I, I think the goal was the first thing he talked started talking about there about eight and a half minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was beautiful though. Um, no, like it's it's a good ball into to Grealish for the goal, and that gives him the the impetus because he gets there ahead of Sujek and as you said, takes the space away from him. But the best thing about the goal is that Grealish decides there's a goal on here so early on from fifty yards out, and that's yeah. just because he's such a special player and he's really embraced the fact that he's the talisman of the club. Um, but like I, I thought the rest of the goal after that, I thought the rest of the goal was really bad from <laughs> he, he carries the ball too far, he gives himself a shit angle, he hits a shit shot, and it's one all. But um, but no, like, he, he was again, he was he was incredible tonight. That that touch where he just the, the three West Ham players that he just goes inside and the fourth who standing outside them as well, just all look at each other, even you know, it's like where has he gone? <laughs> and, you know they, they, they look so confused so bamboozled and Watkins has to score and that's the thing how many more times can Grealish do things like that that and then not start thinking I have to start playing with better players well like this is it like I I, I tweeted it tonight like and I never thought I would do it but I just I'm I'm so disappointed for him it's like he like, imagine imagine Messi does that tonight like mm-hmm. and sets up Someone in Barcelona would miss, but <laughs> that's up Fatty Ansu. He'll probably score. And like you know, that that's obviously a, a worldwide clip. This this will this will do you all right. Like look at this bit of skill from Greenish. But like even the clip that I saw, it doesn't even show what happens. Doesn't even show he's crossed. Like setting mm-hmm. up somebody six yards out. Like if he's playing a better team, that's scored. And and then he starts like even you can see it the way it's happening with England now because more people watching. There's better players around him. Just starts getting the respect that he deserves. And yeah. It's probably more fun for him as well. He must be coming off thinking, hey, you can see his face. He looks shell shocked. Like, obviously, Villa did well, but like he's thinking, for fuck's sake, how have we lost to West Ham? Yeah. Like, what? What more do I have to do? Yeah, absolutely. And and just on then the, the normalization of the fouls. Yeah, never underestimate how stupid people are. Never underestimate <laughs> how how willing and desperate they are to follow a narrative. And yeah. West Ham were so eager to put that narrative into the referee's head tonight that Jack Grealish was going down too easy. 
and that he, he was buying fouls. Jack Grealish does go down too easy fairly often, but that is fucking irrelevant if he's getting saved down in the next one. Like him, him diving is irrelevant to whether or not the next one is a yellow card. It's it's a separate issue. Like I, I, I wish he didn't dive ever. I wish nobody dived ever. I wish Cristiano Ronaldo never dives. Like, but it doesn't matter if he's getting, as you say, sized down. If he's getting hatcheted, it's a foul. It's a yellow card. It doesn't mean that he goes down easy when he's getting fucking lumped from underneath him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, VAR. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I say, like, it, it's annoying in that instance. It's very annoying. But like, you want to be consistent. And look, offside is the is the one thing that you can definitely just be black and white on. And uh, actually, I feel really sympathetic for Ollie Watkins there because you can see in the replay he is actually so far onside when he can see Matt Target lining up to, and actually not lining this up to criticise Matt Target. (laughs) (laughs) Who actually had a really nice cross as well, and and Kanza should have scored earlier on. I forgot about that one. But um, he could see Target about to swing his left foot at it, and he starts running. He's actually about two yards behind the line. Mm. And then just by the time it is hit, and the line probably moves out, he's just a nick offside. But the... The really annoying thing about VR is just not bothering to check Haller just deliberately and, and very late coming in, stamping on Mings, a red card offence, um, and just nobody interested in it. They're just thinking, this is the middle of the pitch, play still going on. Ah, we've had a bad day yesterday, let's just um, hope this doesn't come back and bite us near. And it probably won't, that's the most annoying thing about it all, and yet again, the inconsistencies rumble on. Yeah, just on the offside thing, I mean, there's, they do have it pretty mathematically as accurate as they can get it. But, you know, players' arms and legs move faster than cameras can pick up. So I don't I don't think it's as black and white as people like to pretend that it is. But yeah, like he, he's offside. But he's only offside as well because they've changed the handball rule. He's offside because <laughs> yeah. his, his upper arm is now offside. But anyway, yeah, he's offside. Fine, move on. Mings getting stamped on by Haller was disgraceful. There was a lot. There was a lot of bite. Now he throws his foot down. Like he's he's not yep. trying to block the ball there. Like you know he he is he is pushing his foot down onto Mings there. And maybe he didn't bother looking at it. And it, it's the old classic professional footballers need to be in Stockley Park thing that I think is absolute nonsense. I prefer referees to be making refereeing decisions. But have they just thought that's the the normal one where? It's it's a late challenge from somebody who's clearing the ball up the field, which happens two or three times every game. And they just think that's the same as that. They can't properly see what's happening there, so they don't bother looking at it again. Because if anybody gives that a second glance, it's definitely a red card. Uh, yeah, I think it's a case of, yeah, maybe let's just not look at it again and <laughs> we, we won't find something. Like, you know, let's not open the envelope and hopefully that bill goes away. Like, <laughs> you know... <laughs> And like because it's like Sky should replay. I don't know if, if that means that VAR looking at us, but um, Sky should replay. It was very clear, and you could hear Martin Tyler and even Alan Smith thinking, "Oh, like that's and and in the context, like the things were heating up. There was a lot of animosity going on, on the sideline, and then Hallers just come in and just done him, like yeah. you know, yeah, completely unnecessary and like very vicious, like that stuff. That's black and white. Like he just yeah. somebody's coming and the referee's missed it. He's missed. It's a clear and obvious error. Pull them back. Tell them to have a look at it. Yeah, and that that I think that whole that tackle is just emblematic for me of why it was so fucking frustrating tonight because West Ham are shite. They're a team of just agricultural useless players <laughs> who the only thing they're good at is trying to 
is trying to stand on people's legs. They're a useless team, so losing to them is particularly galling. Um, Ross Berkeley has become a, a big loss. The Harahan and McGinn were sort of rotating into that role. Um, McGinn went there for a while, especially when Villa were doing really badly at the start of the first half. And I don't know, did they think that he was going to bring the same sort of platform with his touch and his arse and running power? Because they, they think McGinn's got running power. Like it's it's just it's not the same. Like Barkley is just a Barkley's a big unit. You play him the ball in tight areas. He he's always making himself available, and then he, he goes at teams as well because like, he's strong and he's he's powerful and he's obviously good at football. Um, yeah, and and then Harahan then like, do you know what? Let, let's do a little bit on him here. I have him save for later on as well. But like, it's just, it's just not that good a player. Like, I, I, I can see now why he's so normal with Ireland because we were watching him at Villa over the last year and a half, two years, and he's been very good. Like, he's been, he's been good. Like, he's been, he's been above average by far. I've actually just <laughs> relegated him from very good to above average. Um, he's been good. But like he's got way better players around him. Like, you know, whereas you see it tonight there, the difference between him and Barkley is that you know, Barkley's a, a big player in a team and trying to make things happen. Hurrahan's trying to fit into a team. So it's yeah, it's it's jarring to see the, the difference of him. He yeah, I, I mentioned that he doesn't have a look around him, he just pops the ball back, he's neat and tidy, he's got a great left foot, um, but he's just not offering anywhere near the same yeah, an open play. No, not at all. I mean Ross Barkley is really clever with his movement as well. How many times do you see Ross Barkley just coming into the box and Grealish just yeah. rolling a ball into him? Now he, he invariably missed whatever he was playing, but it was just, <laughs> it was on all the time. And never underestimate as well how, how much that affects a team. Whenever, if you just, ha- if you can even put it in a team's head that you're creating chances, it just does stuff to their defenders psychologically. So, you know, I remember Alex Ferguson talking about Ronaldo. You know, he was ha- he's having 10 shots a game. And some people might look at that and say, oh, he's wasteful or he's being greedy. If you have a guy who's just shooting constantly and they're all on target, that really affects the other team. They think yep. they're under a lot more pressure than they are. So if you have big six foot two Ross Barkley coming steaming through the middle five or six times a game, you take a step back. You, like, you know, you start, you start panicking. You start worrying more whenever Jack Grealish has the ball. Your head's a bit more scrambled. Like, and Connor Hurahan doesn't offer you that. And I was saying there at the start, he just always seemed to find himself. I think he he thought he had to fill in, fulfill this role, and he and he wasn't able for it. He was always too high. He was ahead of the ball too, far too early, or he was just going too deep. He was he thought he was trying to do some sort of rotation thing with Jack Grealish. It was a mess. It just didn't yeah. work. Does does that really show you the value of positioning as well? Probably something that people. They do take for granted. They don't realize that that's like positioning and timing. That's an important trait for a footballer. And yeah, like you're mentioning Harahan being too high, right? But not once was that of any use to Ollie Watkins. <laughs> you know, he never linked up with him once the way the way Barkley does. Um, he was too high. He was just out of the game, and then he was too deep every time, and he wasn't affecting the game the way he should be again in open play. Um. But yeah, and actually, just on Berkeley, I have, I have a I have a quick section here before we move on to some uh, WhatsApp winges. I, I don't know, it's a, it's a bullshit section, maybe we call it. Um, <laughs> but like speaking of, like you're just watching this game now, you never know. According to Dean Smith, Ross Berkeley performed the highest number of high intensity sprints in his first three games. I tell you, they're all going in the fucking forward direction anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have never seen anybody less willing to get back. <laughs> so maybe he's just saving himself. Like maybe that's why he's always picking up the ball in dangerous areas. And that's not a problem either. If, that, if that's his role, I don't want players wasting energy doing something that they're not good at as well. Because like Jack Grealish, he's absolutely useless at it. He just has he has no intuition for it. He doesn't understand what's happening around him. He can't follow men. He can't. Players just go off his shoulder all the time. And we talked about seeing Jack Grealish doing this, trying his poor little heart out out in the left wing. His head's on a swivel and it's gone. <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening. At, at least with Grealish, right? He's more nimble. Barkley, I always feel he's just going to barge somebody over. He's taking up, he's taking up too much space. You know, it's always like, oh, we could really do with him out there, like you know, especially how, you, yeah, how, just how, how quickly he could perform one of those high intensity sprints into the back of someone. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Winges? Roy Keane thinks Scott Parker is a dweeb. <laughs> in one single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Uh, Roy Keane thinks everybody's a dweeb. I just thought every time he cut back from Parker being interviewed, for some reason he's been interviewed two or three times before the game, and uh, talking shit obviously, and, <laughs> and every time he cut back, it looked like Roy Keane was holding on a laugh. And it looked like, you know, Carragher had that little knowing look that he has sometimes, you know, when he knows what somebody's laughing at or whatever. He's a proper football bloke, you know, and he, he tries to pretend that he's intelligent as well, so then pretentious football writers can get behind him. Scott and Roy Keane, just, that's absolute fodder for Roy Keane, you know, he, he, he snuffs that out immediately, he hates bullshit, and you're right, he hates Scott Parker. Like, even at the end of that game, the story isn't fucking Scott Parker. The camera's on Scott Parker's face. Aston Villa have just climbed into the Champions League places, never to be dislodged. That's the story. It's not fucking Scott Parker getting spanked again. Alright, let's just get into it. Really, like, what is the point of playing Ollie Watkins? 100% of the passes to him aren't on. 90% of them get cut out. Yeah, well, I, there's all the reasons to wonder what's the point of playing Ollie Watkins after that tonight. But yeah, well, that was before he missed his fucking sitter and his penalty. Uh, but uh, he, the balls that were being played into him were they, they were coming from far too deep. It was just, it was terrible. Like, what? You've got Douglas Louise, John McGinn, Connor Hurahan. They're nothing if they're not ball playing midfielders. Why were they bypassing the midfield? There was no, there was no neat little passing in the middle of the pitch unless Jack Grealish was far too deep, which we didn't want them to be. It was just lofted balls over the top to Ollie Watkins, which he invariably controlled incredibly well and impressively, but it was just pointless then as well because our midfielders are 50 yards behind them and Trezeguet wasn't on the pitch until he missed that fucking sitter. I was genuinely thinking, like, I'd just rather, like, play an arm midfielder. Like, just, this is pointless. Like, th- this is absolutely pointless. Just watching watching him, like, trying to get on the end of these of these balls that you're talking about. The, the one, 
the one time, and this makes it more annoying. Remember the one that he, he took off Trezeguet's left foot and he just he just nicked it wide. It was a really nice interplay between him, McGinn, Hurrahan, and then Trezeguet had a bad touch, but it went to Watkins, and then he tried to half volley it, and it just went wide. And it was like, just do that more. Like he caught he caught straight through the middle, like right through the middle from forty yards out all the way to twelve yards out. And yeah, as you see, like they shown they can do it. They just don't like this is a problem as well with Villa's character like you know like you're seeing different elements to Villa losing like you know, tonight is probably an example of just shit players missing big chances but uh also like you know and we've seen it in different games and seen it a bit tonight just the the lack of character to just you just keep playing the same way like yet again Villa have conceded and they don't win um but like yeah, too many periods in this game. They didn't just stick to what was obviously way better than West Ham's level. Yeah, and I've mentioned this already. As soon as West Ham scored, which was very early in both halves, Villa were they were an absolute shambles for the next 15, 20 minutes. It was desperate to watch. And I can only imagine what what the coaching staff are thinking whenever this is happening. Because they're, they're obviously being told to get the ball out left to Jack Grealish as quickly as possible. But don't do that at, at any expense. Yeah, make sure the pass is on. Like you can't just do it if he's got a left wing back and the left or the right wing back and the right centre half just standing next to him. It's not on then. Don't bother playing it. Just play it into one of your three midfielders who are supposed to want the ball constantly. That that's another thing about um, not to get at him too much, but but Hurahan say like he telegraphs his passes to Grealish as well. Like he, he uh, we you talked about like the deference to to Jack Grealish, but. Her hands just like facing him all the time and like he's forcing Grealish onto the touchline and there's players beside him obviously and her hands playing with him anyway. Like whereas a better player obviously shapes their body differently to attract somebody to them and then play it to, to Grealish. Or Jesus, might might have a look, there might be somebody else on. Maybe maybe a record signing who's playing up front for you who has shown that he's actually pretty decent. Um yeah, speaking of Grealish, this one was thirty seconds before the equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Grealish spending 40 seconds complaining about conceding a free kick after he trips somebody who's running in his own corner? Yeah, that was, that, was, that was strange. It was a bad trip from Grealish as well. It's just one of those ones whenever you see it. You can see he's going to do it as well from a mile off. And you're like, no, yeah. no, no. And as soon as you do it, you just punch the table if you're sitting at the table like I am. It, it's really frustrating. It's pointless. The guy's running back towards his own goal. He's running into the corner. He's shit at football. Let him have it in there. He's going to fuck up. Don't just trip him. That's what he wants. Like, that's what he wants. All he's doing there is he's going to kick it out of play. Like, that. that's all yeah. he can do. Or he's going to kick it to the goalkeeper. He's going to kick, kick it out, it out for a throw-in and he's going to fall and stumble back over his own end line and probably hit the advertising hoardings if they weren't 50 foot behind the fucking lines around the pitch like they are <laughs> yeah. on the stadium. Um, oh, this one grates at me. Every time a fullback hits a cross out for a goal kick, they should be fined a week's wages. And and I really mean that. Yeah, it's it's so annoying. It's like, you know, I've given it to somebody who's worse at football than me. Don't fuck it up. And like we we've seen we saw a great cross from Matt Target for the disallowed goal, but the last attack of the game we saw what he was really fucking about. Where he just hooks the ball out for a goal kick. Like, oh, class, thanks, mate. That's now two minutes wasted with Fabianski kicking the post. Like, <laughs> what an absolute dickhead. What was that? 
Yeah, but that's it. And like Matt Cash did it in the first half. I wrote this down after Cash. This isn't uh, this isn't getting a target. Targets was obviously way worse and way more annoying. But um, it's just it's 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 unforgivable. And it's funny because there there are two elements to it, right? There's um, there, there's like I get that people are playing with abandon, right? So like if you look, we're talking about targets crossing the first half where he just trickles it into the first player who takes a touch and, and carries it out so he's playing with complete fear there he's afraid to to overhit the ball it's like so generally when you're playing with fear you always under hit everything mm. because you're afraid of a mistake happening from your ball going anywhere uh whereas cash is coming up trying to whip his foot around it hits it out for a goal like but it shouldn't happen regardless of if you're if you're trying to not play with fear like that is something that's so obvious like people in my position every game seem to kick this ball out of play for a goal kick and it's it's never acceptable. So I'm going to make sure that I do not kick this ball out for a goal kick. Like it's it's not good. And like I would genuinely say sorry. Like you know you played alright tonight, but you know like you did something ridiculous. So you're not getting paid for tonight's game. Like your your wages are gone. Like that. Like that is something that you just need to just be tuned in for as you're kicking a ball. And by the way, you're right back. You're you're not crossing the ball that often. So when you do cross it, fucking make sure it doesn't go for a goal kick, if nothing else. Yeah, and the worst thing, you haven't even mentioned the worst thing about that. It was so unnecessary. I have a yeah. little bit of sympathy for someone overhitting the ball if they have to absolutely whip it. Yeah. Ollie Watkins has run to the front post. There's, he doesn't have to get it past anybody. He just has to put the right angle on that pass, and it goes to Ollie Watkins. The defenders aren't getting there. They've fallen asleep, and Watkins has run behind them. There's no need for cash to hit that out. Like it nearly hits the all or corner flag before before it lands. <laughs> ah, fuck off, Kevin Nolan. <laughs> ah, yeah, but you can just imagine the West Ham fans saying the same thing back about our boy John Terry. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like Nolan had a bit more of a a geezer vibe to him. You know when the the fourth official was given out to him and he just didn't shut up. Like every time the fourth official would walk away, you could see him yeah. just mouthing off and the fourth official would have to turn around and be like, what are you doing? And then like, it looked like he had a big smile on his face and when uh, John Terry got a yellow card, you know, you could see the West Ham coach, whoever he was, going up the steps past Nolan and he was sitting there like, I don't know, was he laughing out loud or like, just, just get off the screen like you absolute melt. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets a bit head mastery, but you know, if you've told someone to shut up or to calm down or to stop disrespecting the officials and then he keeps talking yeah. immediately afterwards as you're walking away, give him a yellow card. Yeah. The guy's proved himself to be an arsehole. Treat him like one. Did you say that uh, Dean Smith was giving it, giving it the big one? Dean Smith was giving it the big one, yeah. Do you remember um, when it won the times, you won't remember the specific one, Jack Grealish got cleaned by a defender up the arse and... Uh, he got up and was walking back into position. And for some, it was brilliant that it did, but for some reason, the camera just stayed on Grealish and Mikel Antonio, who was just mouthing off to Grealish for about, it must have been about 30 seconds. But again, it was one of those ones. It's like, yeah, I get it, Antonio. Sometimes he goes down easy, but he hasn't this time. He's been clean. The legs have been taken from underneath him. And Antonio just keeps going and going as if Antonio doesn't dive. And that's the most annoying thing about professional footballers complaining about all their players diving. They all dive. Yeah. So who do they think they are? Who do they think they're kidding? We've all seen you holding your face whenever the balls hit you in the shoulder. Like, you know, it's it's they're all at it, so I don't know what moral high ground they think they're taking. They all look so disgusted as well, waving their hands up. Get up, get up. But anyway, 
Um, so after that's happening, you can see the camera goes to the touchline and Dean Smith is pissed off, obviously. And uh, the fourth official's trying to calm him down and you just see Dean Smith say, he's a fucking prick. <laughs> Brilliant. And he's right. Yeah, good to see Dean Smith get a bit of fire in his belly. Yeah. Here, what what do you think's worse? Um, yeah, the footballers who dive complaining about somebody else diving or somebody like Declan Rice who blatantly fouls people nine times a game, complaining about somebody diving. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 but he, he, Declan Rice is such an arsehole. He complains whenever he's fouled people as well. It's, it's, it's almost the same thing. It's like, you know, man, you know oh, you fouled them. That's what I mean. Sorry, there. That, that, that's what I mean. Like, it's like, it's, it's so like, you're ob- like, you are the biggest culprit anyway for blatantly fouling people. You've obviously fouled them. Like, yeah. why are you trying to suggest that there's something else going on here? Like, you were holding his shirt. You kicked him on the ankle. You know you've done these things. Like, you know, the, 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 it was you that did them. It was your body that did that. You put your hand out. You were in control of that, Declan. You know you're a cheating bastard. You've been caught. Get over it. No one's dived. You've cheated. <laughs> um, I think Villa concede from 60% of the attacks they face. Well, you surprised in WhatsApp whinges. You seem to have calmed down because it was 100% at the top of the show. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's pathetic. Like, I've said it already. I mean, what like there's no point in dominating teams. There's no point in being better than teams. There's no point in having Jack Grealish if a shit cross into the box by a player Villa deemed not good enough to sign results in a goal. I mean, it's a good header from Bowen, but fuck me. Deal with that. Um, second last one. Does David Moyes think he achieved something here? Yeah, of course he does. David Moyes is probably so scarred from his time at Real Sociedad and whoever else he was manager of before that, that he, uh, <laughs> that he just needs every win. I mean, David Moyes has very deliberately put this team together. This team hasn't, hasn't fallen into his lap. He's put together this team of utter scumbags who are useless at football. <laughs> so he's, this is exactly the type of game that David Moyes wants to win. One where he creates... Creates to do you call isolating Matt Target with Ogbonna creating a chance, or you say John Terry's doing fuck all between Monday and Friday? Well, that's it. We we come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, David Moyes. David Moyes is absolutely certain he's achieved something. He's there having a glass of red wine tonight, probably ringing up Fergie. It's pathetic, but I I can actually see where he's coming from. <laughs> I just realised what she said. <laughs> ringing up Fergie <laughs> did you see me boys tonight um, he like it, it reminds me a bit of Ireland back when uh, Martin O'Neill was managing them and a bit of Mick McCarthy right where they don't do anything <laughs> they don't do anything but suck the life out of a game and, and bore a team to death and and, and they ride their ride their luck a little bit they try hard for the whole game and they're scumbags and they you know they get stuck in they're up for it um, there's animation on the sideline, and they they put away a couple of chances that they get, or usually in Ireland's case it was one chance, and uh, and then the other team comes away thinking, how the fuck did we not beat those losers? Yeah, like that. That's always like we, but we were always sort of pretty proud of ourselves. Like we always thought, yeah, like that's what happens. Ireland grind it down, and they and and they make it a, a shit match, and then they come away 
with the result that they that they wanted because maybe you realize that teams will miss a lot of big chances and uh yeah like and, and here we are now in the in, in the shoes in the other foot like where villa are coming away thinking what like staying in them they did nothing and they scored two goals and we scored one yeah well there's, there's a contradiction in your argument there i mean if you understand that teams miss a lot of big chances then you should tr- pro- probably try to create a lot of big chances yourself like what what didn't david moyes do this week he told his players to try hard and he told them to get back behind the ball if we're lucky enough to go in the lead. Like, is that what a manager's job is? How much is David Moyes being paid? Millions yeah. of pounds a year. And all he's doing is convincing athletes to run. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, it's, it's look, this, this is um this is getting hard. Uh last one. Grealish fucking hates El Ghazi. Oh, El Ghazi was just what what a pointless, pointless decision it was to bring on him. I understand players are tired, and I understand you have no other options on your bench, but you don't have. That's not an option. Like you know, you you don't have free options. You've got two exactly. options. It was well, just such a waste of time. You know. There was a couple of times where you could see Grealish just kind of look at him and like shake his head, and I just wish the camera had a zoomed in so I could just see how disgusted he was. Because I could tell from his body language and the movement of his neck that he was annoyed, but I wanted to see it on his face. I wanted to see it in his eyes. Uh, but, you know, Villa were so bad, and I lost so much hope that there was a moment in the 80th minute where the ball sat up for a volley for El Ghazi at the corner <laughs> of the box, and he turned it down. Yeah, and I, and I was actually annoyed. That's how desperate I was. That's how much hope I had lost. Like I was, I was just like, just have a spank. Why not? We're not going to create any other chances now. We've stopped playing. Just shoot. He plays at the Grealish. Grealish does something brilliant, and Matt Target fucks it up. But yeah, uh, like El Ghazi is just a waste of space. He is. Uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned it because that that was one where I was like, okay, hang on, El Ghazi's taking a decent touch. And he's not ballooned it over the bar. He's given it to the best player. Okay, I can get on board of this. And then the next fifteen minutes, whatever it was, was um was pitiful. And then you mentioned Grealish just giving him nice balls, and the guys is not even like ah, oh, I don't I don't even know what to, it's not it's not even bad touch. It's, there was one. There was one that was Greenish played around the corner until Gazzy's foot, and it just bounced off him yeah. about ten yards and created it's a counter attack. A no, it's yeah. not a, like it's, like Greenish might have might as well played that off the wall. You know, it was just, what the fuck was that? <laughs> well, here's one for you, right? Like, that, you're saying that's not an option. I agree. Like, I looked at the bench again tonight and thought, for fuck's sake. But would you not bring on, say, Jacob Ramsey and move McGinn out wide? Or because, and this this is a problem with Bertrand Terori, he just, he just keeps drifting out right. He wants to be out right. He wants to come in on his left. Or let's just move McGinn further forward and bring on Jacob Ramsey because I don't know where Olgazi's playing when Bertrand Trory's moving out right. Um, yeah, so like, we, but even if if you could convince Trory playing the centre where he was actually pretty good against Brighton when he came on, move McGinn out right because he's playing terribly in the middle. You know, when he's somebody's another option, then he he'll take a nice touch out on the wing. He'll look for the ball out in the wing, whereas Trezeguet won't generally. Um, yeah, could that not change things up a little bit and bring on Jacob Ramsey, who's done all right earlier in the season? And like, 
the only way Villa were going to score something there was if Jack Grealish did something. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't have brought on El Ghazi. I wouldn't have brought on Troy. El Mahamani wasn't good when he came on, but Villa Villa weren't creating chances. There was no point in having you know nice footballers on the pitch. They should have just left Elmo on, brought on Elmo in the right wing whenever Trezeguet had to come off, and they probably should have just left on Hurahan for set pieces. The other thing is as well, let Hurahan hit the set pieces. Yeah. Why is Greedish hitting corners? Hurahan's shown that he can hit the set pieces from from the free kicks in that game. We all know over the last two and a half years what he's shown he can do. Just like just. Put Greedish into the box or the edge of the box. He's your best player. Don't have yeah. him crossing in the ball whenever you've got someone who can strike a corner just as well, if not better. Well, in the last two seasons, Greedish has scored two volleys from the edge of the box, direct from a corner, and he's also scored a volley. And he's probably scored more, but I remember the Southampton one last year where he got headed out and he just hit a half volley into the net. So doing that three times from corners in two seasons means that he should always be at the edge of the box. Um and what happens again, like, and this is a problem with Hurahan deferring to Grealish, but like he, when Grealish isn't hitting the corner, Hurahan gives it to Grealish short, which always isn't a bad option. But that one was a complete ball straight after the goal, the second goal in the second half, where Hurahan plays it to Grealish and then he goes on the, the loop around him and then tries to back heel it back to Grealish. Grealish is offside. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, we've got the best. The best corner kick taker in the league. Just put it in. Like Kansas winning everything, put it in. Yeah, Villa have a real problem with just they just can't turn that down. As soon as someone goes short for a corner, they just they just can't resist it. It's it's a bizarre yeah. habit that they have. Just you right, whip the ball in. Like giving Hurahan a slightly better angle is, is pointless, especially because he's going to back heat it to Grady. She hasn't bothered getting back on side. A lazy trick. <laughs> edit that out, mate. Edit that out. I don't want anybody hearing that. <laughs> Well, actually, it's funny. I didn't have this written down, but you reminded me of one final uh, WhatsApp wins that I meant to write down. <laughs> ah, Jack, Like sometimes you only need to take it past three people. You don't need to go for the fourth. <laughs> ah, like, but everybody was playing so badly tonight, apart from Grealish, that he was probably just looking up and saying, ah, fuck, I better just keep going here. I'm not passing it to one of these useless spoons. <laughs> Oh, we'll do some categories. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real... He's, like, if you... He's an uh, unlikable character. Like, what if he's put on a foot? Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not... It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it though as well though because they're like not that it fucking mattered anyway sure we were beaten anyway not that it fucking mattered anyway Villa was shite like there's there's nothing but space Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season make no mistake about that I mean they're they're really well coached they're really aggressive they're really adventurous but the players are shit 
the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Bromley accents, though. Really <laughs> go through you, don't they? All right, some categories. You let Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. Uh, I don't even have the person written down here. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. That's why I didn't write it down. Um, Ollie Watkins hitting a penalty. <laughs> um, I'm like... I wouldn't have thought that because I think I did say in the last game that he would have buried his penalty and then I saw his fucking penalty map and it was the most atrocious thing I've ever seen. He scored two out of five, which is already horrendous. Um, and one of them was just like down the middle. And then the other one that we know was against uh, Southampton when the game was over. So it doesn't really count. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like so then I looked at that thinking, how how is this boy been allowed to hit some penalties? strange it's strange yeah four out of six missed that's that's a terrible record by by anyone's standards um and it's like it was a bad penalty like if you had the penalty off target then like you know get off the fucking stage why is he hitting that penalty uh it was like it was a soft enough penalty to win but you know it was stupid from Rice because he's pulling back a man who is definitely gonna miss anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's right, like Rice is good. He's long. He's leggy. Like he's he's even gonna get in there and block him anyway. Even when he did get a shot. Like if Rice puts any sort of pressure on Trezeguet, there Trezeguet's gonna miss. He just doesn't need to pull his shirt. It's just lazy and absent-minded and stupid from Rice the trader. It was just like <laughs> just he's, he lost his head for some reason. But luckily for him, Villa sent up some lad with a 33% success rate from penalty kicks. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? And we know, like, well, I don't know, do we know? Um, he's not the best at them. But, like, you're talking about Grealish being the talisman. Surely he just needs to be calling rank and taking the penalties. So Watkins has scored a penalty this year for Villa, and it was a great penalty. Um, but do you remember before that, Grealish wanted it, and Watkins yeah. took it off him? So I don't know what's happened there. They're obviously they couldn't have not discussed who's hitting the penalty, and so I can only assume that Watkins is the assigned penalty taker because otherwise, why would Grealish have given him that one? And it must have like Watkins is the penalty taker, so he was taking tonight's as well. Oh, you can't be hitting the fucking bar when you're two one down. That's just, that's a joke. No, it's it's, it's fucking shit. Yeah, it's just it's like, and the keeper goes so early as well. Like Fabianski is a good penalty goalkeeper, but he wasn't for that penalty. Yeah. Like, yeah it just looks so bad whenever the keeper goes the wrong way as well. Like, how badly have you fucked up there? You have so much net to aim at. Keeper's on the ground and you're hitting the crossbar at the other side. Christ almighty, mate. There is, like, there is something. I, I, I really enjoyed Watkins taking that off Grealish uh, last week. But... Or whenever it was against Southampton. But there's... You know, because I, I remember like when Werner wasn't taking them for Chelsea and Jorginho was taking them. I was like, what an absolute beta male. Like, he, he's Timo Werner. He's been bought. He's the big signing. He's the big striker. He's supposed to like take this team on to the next level. And he's letting Jorginho hit penalties ahead of him. But in this case as well, like, yeah, you have Grealish. He's like one of the best players in the world. And he's obviously the talisman of this club and he should be doing whatever he wants. 
like he should not be having Watkins call rank on him. Great, he's a sound. He probably wants his striker to score as well. But also you have Connor Hurrahan on the pitch who would put it away. If one thing he'll do is put away a penalty. Yeah, I I had absolutely no worries about Connor Hurrahan. I remember the playoff final, Hurrahan steps up and I was just like, Oh, thank fuck it's Hurrahan. Yeah. This is this is going in, it's grand, don't worry about it. Like I I didn't even I it didn't even flicker across my mind that Hurrahan wouldn't score. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I ball striker should be the people who hit the who hit the penalty and maybe maybe it should have been Hurrahan. Hurrahan also scored against uh, Slovakia in the playoffs penalty yeah. shootout for Ireland after missing a fucking sitter, the only reason that they were in the playoffs. So this is the thing, like it doesn't affect him. Like Hurrahan loves his left foot. So, you know, it doesn't affect him that he's he's not playing badly, even though he, like, he didn't do anything bad in this game to make him think that way. I'm talking about Watkins. There was something before he hit a penalty where I was like, hmm... He's just missed a big chance. This isn't good for a striker now to be hitting a penalty. There was something about that where I just thought, now obviously they're 2-1 down as well, and you're worried about them not getting another chance, but yeah, I, I didn't fancy it. No, and you were right, yeah. Big chance missed. Maybe not hit the penalty. I was right. Um, <laughs> the Ronnie Rossenthal Award, uh, Watkins penalty. The Watkins, <laughs> the Watkins header, which we've um, mentioned a few times already now, but that, that's not good enough. Uh, Grealish has just rinsed four players and set you up five, six yards out of a free header. You've missed it. You hit it over the bar. You get another one off target. And the Trezeguet one, which I think is is probably the worst of them all. Watkins, he doesn't hit it to him first time, which I was like, oh, for God's sake. But then he does really well to get across to him again anyway. And Trezeguet just runs into the ball, runs over the top of the ball, and he's hitting it wide, and the keepers give him a corner at least. Hmm. <sighs> It's a, it's a tough one. Trezeguet is definitely the bigger miss, but I want to give it to Watkins because of how much of a fuck-up it was after what Jack Grealish had just done. Yeah. That's that's a good case. But you're giving it to Trezeguet. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm, I'm not pissed off at... At Grealish being that far ahead, like that's a moment there where, like, I think you said it, like, you know, Grealish is now thinking, I need to start playing with players who, who score these goals. Like, you know, in, in the week that Maradona has been remembered for everything that he done. Now, in fairness, a lot of those clips the players end up missing as well after Maradona does something brilliant. But Maradona went on and won a World Cup and he won Serie A titles with Napoli. Grealish needs to be at that level to have more and more clips made of him. <laughs> Uh, I don't like anyway. Move on. Um, we'll give, we'll give it to Watkins. I see Westwood. Oh, he was playing a word. Trezeguet. Um, anonymous before that fucking miss. And um, I've got no Trezeguet. Let's start, let's do Trezeguet first. Do you keep playing him? Imagine, imagine being a professional footballer, and the first thing you do after being on the pitch for sixty minutes is miss from one yard out. Yeah. Like that is just diabolical. Do you keep playing Trezeguet? Like, like we've talked about it. What are you doing otherwise? You're not playing Elgazi. Are you playing Trory on the right wing where he wants to be and where he's, he just can't resist all his bad habits? I don't think so. I... Ah. Play Elmo. <laughs> play Elmo. Yeah, maybe play Elmo. I don't I'm know. saving him for target's position. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long fucking way to January. It is. It, it really is. I think Villa are crying out for it now as well, which is the unfortunate thing. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like, cause I I wrote down um I wrote down Trezeguet for this award after about fifty odd minutes before the sitter, and this this shows just how anonymous he was. I remember him taking a touch in the center circle and and rolling right to the left, and I was like, oh, that's Trezeguet. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the most noteworthy thing he had done. Like it, it was. I actually genuinely haven't seen a more anonymous performance than that one. No, the only thing he did in the first half was clear an attacking corner. Right. There was a corner played in for uh, by Hurahan and Trezeguet rises above everyone and flicks it out of West Ham's box for them. The only other nominee I have for this, and I don't even know if we should count because he, he did come into it, but everything he did was wrong. It was jumping in. Like, he was... He was anonymous for most of the game, and then when he came into the game, I wish he was anonymous because just just couldn't be anything right. Yeah, he was he was absolutely useless tonight again. John McGinn slipping into around this time last season as well. John McGinn. Now I know there's been less games played this time, but around November December last year, John McGinn really went off the boil. And whenever John McGinn got injured, a lot of people were worried. I wasn't worried because John McGinn had been playing shite for a long mm-hmm. time before his injury last year, and. I'm just worried he's slipping back into that. He was he was desperate tonight, just making the wrong decision, running with it when it wasn't on, running with it when he was going into blind alleys. That's exactly what that big team of useless lumps wants you to do, is just run into their trap yeah. of four lads. You're standing there ready to take your ankles or the ball, whatever one, they don't care. Don't <laughs> run into them. Pass the ball around them. Whenever Villa moved the ball, West Ham didn't know what was happening. Like I said before, West Ham are shite. Pass the ball around them. Don't just run in the alleyways. They want you to go down. Don't just... like The first 20 minutes, John McGinn played about three blind passes to nobody. Like, what, like, what are you doing? Trezeguet's on the right wing. Like I, I know that John McGinn has to expect that his right winger's making certain runs. But whenever it's Trezeguet, you have to maybe like you know adapt your play a little bit. He's probably not going to make the run. He's not playing yet. He's only going to turn up in the 60th minute when he's missing from a yard out. The, the the McGinn is um he's a victim of Ross Barkley as well, which I'm just thinking we're talking about. It's a long way to January. It's a long way for the two or three weeks Ross Barkley's back, and generally that's usually three and a half, four weeks when, when somebody says that. Um, like because McGinn has been at his best this season when him and Dougie have been playing as as the sitters, he's let the game come to him by just working hard, being in the right position. Doing like doing the right simple things like like just yeah being that player that was that like was up in the diamond meter because it's like ah there's McGinn again putting out a fire and then when he gets into that action mode then he's just he's he's just providing these little sparks of not even magic just action these sparks of action he he he's ours turns somebody and it takes somebody out of the game it just starts uh it gets other people more lively he plays the ball it, you know he's got he's got players in front of him because Ross Barkley's there. But when Ross Barkley isn't there, he tries too hard. Like, he, like, and this is what we said about the the Brighton game as well, about him falling on his his face because he's just trying to take it past three players, mm. and he's not that player, and he's just trying too hard rather than just just letting the game come to him. And this this is an interesting question. I mean, I thought he got it spot on against Brighton where he, when he brought on, um, when he brought on Trory for Barkley because that meant he didn't have to change his whole team. He just changed his number ten. Whenever you bring in Hurahan, then you're you're taking McGinn out of his best position. You're taking Dougie out of his best position. You're you're taking you're just you're playing Hurahan, which, yeah. which isn't helpful for anybody. So you've lost. You not not only have you lost your number ten, you've also lost your number eight. 
because he's not playing in his best position anymore because he has to play it. He has to play a different role. So should should we have just played Rory again tonight? So you're only losing one player, as opposed to losing two. Yeah, there, there was something in me that wanted to see Hurahan, and it's funny. I should get off Twitter, but I do remember about a year ago, like people talking, or a year and a half maybe, um, people talking about like Hurahan's best position has actually been number 10, but he's never played there. So I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, what <laughs> if he does play there, will he be good? And like, yeah, he's just, he's not that player. Um, but the actually Westwood Award is um, Trezeguet, obviously. The Vyman meter, uh, not going down because he's already at rock bottom as my target. Um, I've got one player going up. I think I sort of I, I sort of had initially Louise and Mings, but they're definitely not going up. But I, I was like, okay, like you know, they're they've got a bit of a break after international break now. They're they're lively again. They're you know they're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> but that's a, that's a very low bar. But the player I have going up is is Hurahan <laughs> because he did exactly what. You expect him to do like Connor Hurahan is a set piece kicker, and his set pieces were brilliant. Villa could have scored a few from him. He he skimmed the post from from a free. Um, yeah, he 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 was good from that from that point of view, and like it's like a you know a wide receiver. Like I I I already was almost judging him before his first set piece because I was like, all right, you're here to hit set pieces. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, I, I already had an analogy in my head of like a a wide receiver in the NFL who you know says he can't catch the ball. I was like, well, sorry, mate, but you're not fucking you're not playing them. Hurahan's supposed to take free kicks, and he came on and he did it well. So he's going up for me. Yeah, they were two clever free kicks as well as being well struck. You know, he hit the. He... Fashioned that one that he scored from before, where he rolls it to Grealish, Grealish stops yeah. it and he hits it around the wall, and that one he forced Fabianski into a good save. It's Fabianski's side, if it goes in, there's big question marks for Fabianski, but Hurahan still hits it well. Going up in the Vimameter, I think, is very, very generous. Yeah. Um, and I want to get back to talking about my target going down. So let's just let's just agree that Hurahan hit two good free kicks and he's staying still in the Vyman meter. Two good free kicks, few good corners. A few good corners. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Stand still, okay. Uh, what do you want to talk about Matt Target for? Because we haven't mentioned yet, Matt Target in the first half got in front of his man and you're, you're there thinking, all right, all right, fair play. And he trips over a combination of his own legs and Bowen's static trailing leg. He dives under the ball. And in the box, in his own box, he's the covering defender. He dives under the ball. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> that was one of the most pathetic pieces of defensive play I've ever seen. Well, it's it's so funny because I have I have a section on target here that I just thought, ah, I'll not bother. <laughs> and I do have that just like falling flat in his face instead of heading the ball when he's in the box in front of a defender or in front of a forward. Um, and like you say, that's the most pathetic thing you've ever seen. Another one that went unnoticed and it gave West Ham a corner for no reason was when he was afraid to attack one that was sort of about 30 yards out and he was afraid to attack it because Tyrone Mings was putting him under pressure. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what he was worried about and, and then he let it bounce and then he fell underneath it. <laughs> I think he panicked because it, it, it bounced up in the air and then obviously West Ham started closing down and he just like, crumbles underneath and then West Ham get a corner and I was like, if they score from this, I'm going to kill this man. Um, 
yeah, like it was, uh, but I said he can't go down because he's at rock bottom. I, I don't know how much further he can fall. Yeah, I, like yeah, he kicked the fucking ground trying to put in a cross. <laughs> he was inside West Ham's box and he kicked the ground. Yeah, and then in the last attack, he, he kicked it out of play for no reason, under no pressure. Let's move. Let's move on before our fucking heads explode. <laughs> um. Question mark over this one going down, Ali Watkins. Question mark is because, um, like again, like in fairness to Watkins, I start judging him before he gets these chances, and that's what you want from a striker. You want them to be not in a game and still have the chances. But when he gets these fucking chances, I want them to score. Um, but I had him going down, like regardless of the the team that were playing him shit balls, I was just getting annoyed at him as well for some reason, um, because it was like. You know, run somewhere different. I don't know what it was. I was just getting frustrated at everybody. But but then he, he turns around and misses a five yard header and then misses a penalty. Hits it off target. Off target. Uh, Matt target. <laughs> oh, we've done him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ollie, Wa- Ollie Watkins going down. Like yeah, like he he misses big chances and he's a centre forward. I think he has to go down. Like he played okay holding up shit balls at the start of this first or during the first half. But who cares? Whenever you fucking lose a game. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off at him, and you know what, I'm disappointed at him, um, I think that's it for categories, like where, I'm I'm just, <laughs> nine games in and I'm done, like I, I feel like this would have been way better just smoothed out over these nine games, but I, I got too excited after the last, I think the title of the podcast after the Leicester game is Villa's title to lose, um, yeah, like I, I was getting carried away with Villa being a really good team. Like they're not. Smith is a good manager, and he's 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 getting them into good positions to win games, and they're just not good enough to win them. And Grealish is going to leave. <laughs> you know, I was getting like this. This is I was getting excited talking to you about how can we keep Ross Barkley. You know, because I was mm-hmm. thinking we are close now to stepping on to the next level. If we get top six, we can keep Barkley, keep Grealish. They're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a lot slower than I, than I was hoping for four games in. Like, I mean, I was fairly calm at the start of last season when Villa were losing to Burnmouth and Palace and they were, they were drawn to West Ham and Burnley, I think it was, because they were playing well. But, you know, like the, real, the reality is I should have been worried about them not winning games. They should be winning games yeah. they were doing enough to win because sure as shit, they were going to find themselves in games that they didn't deserve to win and they weren't going to fucking win those either. So this is perhaps a slight worry that it, they're starting to do this again. There's been three or four. like They were better than Brighton. They were better than West Ham tonight. They should be beating those teams. Yeah. And it, it, I, don't, I wouldn't be as concerned as you are. Four from five is bad. It, it is. It's it's a really bad return, but we've had some fantastic results. We beat Leicester and we beat Liverpool. They're both in the top. They're both our top four rivals. We still have a game in hand. That game in hand still takes us into the top four because Man United, Man City, Man United, Man City are around us, so they've got a game in hand as well. But I think that game in hand still would still take us into the top four. We're not in a bad position. I mean, we've won five games. The frustrating thing is that we've lost four and two of those we definitely should have won. We wanted to be a bit more positive about it. 
do we want to be a bit more positive? <laughs> no, was that a question? I thought you were saying, if you want to be a bit more positive, about it, then you were going to give me something positive, because I was like, I haven't heard anything fucking positive yet. <laughs> yeah, so, we missed a penalty. We missed a, we missed two absolute sitters. Oh. Two absolute sitters. And we had a goal disallowed because they changed the handball rule. Like, uh, Villa dominated that game and those four huge incidents that could have just gone another way. There's no way you missed two sitters and a penalty in a game in, a, in an ordinary circumstance. Well, this is it. This is um, as much as the Leicester game showed a bit of a habit. They'd won three games in a row, just beating Leicester, kept it tight, or just beating Liverpool, kept it tight, and then nicked it against Leicester and you get into a, a habit of winning. Like, Losing's a habit as well, and Villa are susceptible to it more than anybody because every time they go behind, they, the facts are that they, they lose, they don't even get a draw. Um, and I, I, do you know what? This is actually shows how worried I am about their mentality. That you see, today, obviously, I would have loved a, a win, but I was actually thinking, I would love a draw tonight. I, I would love a draw that shows that Villa aren't bonkers. Like uh, when it got the two, when it got the two one, I was like, I'm not going to be happy now. Two two because again, like yeah, Villa just conceded two goals from two attacks. But I would, I would, I would have loved a nice nil nil draw. You know, Villa just got back on track. Let's let's just get a point. Let's not be fucking idiots. Um, but yet again, there's just no sign. It's just they're too out of control. John Terry's just having too much crack, and they're yeah, you just you just don't like they can score a lot of goals and they can concede a lot of goals. That could be fun. But until there's enough points on the board, it's not going to be fun because it's like you can just keep losing these games, especially if you're going to lose to relegation rivals. <laughs> Colin, like I've always said, Villa are going to finish between 13th and 14th. <laughs> yeah. We've got we've got fucking Newcastle. Steve Bruce up next. He fucked us for two years. He can't keep fucking us. We'll beat Newcastle on Friday night. Then we've got a derby to go one day to get us all G'd up again. Villa are going to be all right. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. Um, Newcastle on Friday night, so a quick turnaround. Another nighttime game. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope I'm signing off on a positive. I feel like every every podcast is ending with, oh, you're chewing on if you want to next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're enjoying the show, yeah, check us out on Twitter, the Villa Podcast. Um, and uh, if you have any thoughts or whatever, send us an email at the Villa Podcast at gmail.com. Don't really know what I'm what I'm looking for in those emails, but it would be nice to, to hear from you. There's a regular cohort of you out there, so um yeah, let's let's hear some thoughts or <laughs> what you think. And uh, yeah, sure. See you on Friday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.